I've arrived. Yes. So on 229, I'm going to start. This is the vicious cycle. I think I'm I have start around this time. I, have, I think I have a different uh, book. Well, you. then you'll just have to listen, Paul. Go ahead. All right. Around this time, our big AA book was being written. And it all became much simpler. We had a definite formula that some 60 of us agreed was the middle course for alcoholics who wanted sobriety. And that formula has not changed one iota down through the years. I don't think the boys were completely convinced of my personality change, for they fought shy of including my story in the book. So my only contribution to their liter literary efforts was my firm conviction. Since I was still a theological rebel, and the word God should be qualified with the phrase, as we understand him, for that was the only way I could accept spirituality. After the book appeared, we all became very busy in our efforts to save all and sundry. But I was still actually on the fringes of AA. Of AA. While I went along with all that was done and attended the meetings, I never took an active job of leadership until February 1940. Then I got a very good position in the in Philadelphia and quickly found I would need a, a I would need a few fellow alcoholics around me if I was to stay sober. Thus I found myself in the middle of a brand new group. When I started to tell the boys how we did it in New York and all and all about the spiritual part of the program, I found they would not believe me unless I was practicing what I preached. Then I found that as I gave in to the spiritual or personality change, I was getting a little more serenity and telling newcomers how to change their lives and attitudes. All of a sudden, I was found I was doing a little changing myself. I had been too self-sufficient to write a moral inventory, but I but I discovered in pointing out to the new man his wrong attitudes and actions that I was really taking my own inventory and that if I expected him to change, I would have to work on myself too. This change has been, been a long, slow process for me, but through these later years, the dividends have been tremendous. With that, I'll pass. Great, thank you, yeah. So he was saying that he was one of the ones who brought the idea of a higher power of your own understanding because there was no other way for him to get it, the message. So obviously the most important thing is to get the message. doesn't matter how it's delivered or wrapped or the ribbon that's on it, but to get the message itself. And I believe AA has, as a community has bent over backwards to make it easy for people to enter because they have great faith that if they do and they follow these simple suggestions and do what we do a day at a time, they're going to get relief no matter what they think. Yeah. And so uh, you can read it in We Agnostics, how much they bend over backwards for people who have a doubt about a higher power or what they would call God. 
and to make it easy and spend paragraphs and paragraphs of trying to explain that their faith in their head was really uh, the problem in a sense. So, and they felt that just get the people in the door and then what's in, what's in that room of recovery would be sufficient enough to change their minds over time. Yeah. And uh, so they found a, a great way because a lot of people got hung up by the name, the word God and religion because of their upbringing and what they ran into and stuff. So they had a, a prejudice before or a contempt before investigation. And so to bypass that, the program made it easy to come in. Bring all your opinions. It doesn't matter. Just do this today. You know, go, go to a meeting, share with others and don't pick up. Yeah. Even for a half hour or an hour or for a half the day or for a day, but just, Allow this to allow you to get sober and then see what you think when, when your head clears up. Yeah? Because your righteous ideas may not be that uh, valuable when, you, when you're starting to get what they substituted for, which was relief. When you start getting the relief, the value in your own opinions change because now you're being molded by the effects of real relief, not this arthritic way of thinking, of self-centeredness. Yeah, so... The point was to let have a, a gateless gate, have as big an opening as possible for people to come in, yeah, with all their prejudices and opinions about this and that, and just sort of with the great faith in the program that if they just did what we did and went where we went, they'd get relief from this, you know, seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Yeah. So this is what happened. And that's why the doors, the AA doors are open so much that there's hundreds of ways people, uh, addiction appears in their lives. And there's a hundred different kinds of meetings using the 12 steps of recovery. Overeaters Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, drugs, fucking sex, love, everything, whatever topic that we can get obsessed over in this life there's a program using the same <clears throat> skeleton that we use which is the 12 steps yeah <clears throat> we're hoping that it will bring about a psychic or personality change or a spiritual awakening and a lot of times that is accompanied with that urge to do something stupid all fucking day let's say drink and use when you know better gets broken yeah and now and most people who are so it's so uh in this it's so there that urge you would imagine that they would know the exact moment it drops but they don't they just realize after a few weeks wait a minute i don't feel like drinking anymore yeah so these effects usually go unnoticed in a lot of ways as they just they state in the book the newcomer is not going to know the changes that are happening to him. People are going to witness it themselves, the other people that have gone through recovery. So it's just a matter of getting in the door and then see what happens if you just follow the simple suggestions. Yeah. And I think the higher power takes a lot of sting out of the word God. So you can make it anything you want, as they say. But when you make it something just so that you get in, when you get in and have conscious contact with this grace or this power, 
it's going to change uh, your take on it. Yeah. And hopefully it's going to lead you to rely on something of its own understanding instead of having to rely on your understanding about it. You'll rely on it with his, by its own understanding, which to me, I found to be very revelatory. And I was lucky. I don't care. You know, if I'm dying of thirst, I don't care if someone's wearing a green jacket or a red jacket, who's bringing me the water. I just want the water. Yeah. I'll, I'll, worry about he looked ridiculous with the green jacket later. I need the water. I mean, I was fucked. And that was the first step. And I realized it. something in my in in the innermost of what this is called, Paul, some message got through there very suddenly and said very clearly on a, like a big screen, I'm fucked. And it really sunk in. And then it followed that with a simple statement, and I am not managerial quality. And that was end of the broadcast. It was. It was a very, very, just like a news flash, very, very succinct, whacked me. And then life conspired me to bring me to my first meeting that night. Yeah. Well, I had no intention, hadn't thought about it two minutes before. My whole life changed and the direction of it changed in that moment, getting struck sober. Yeah. And if I hadn't been led to an AA meeting that night, it probably would have died on the vine. I probably, that great miracle would have died with the presence of all this chaos and mental activity, probably. But I, that didn't happen. I ended up in an AA meeting that night with absolutely no idea, had never thought of it. And especially the morning of that same day. And, uh, I listened to these people for an hour. And while I was listening to them, I felt something, which was I felt a little hope. Yeah. Which allowed my mental denial to to uh, get caught off guard. And I was allowed to feel the hopelessness that I was really in. It was really hope opened the door to really tell the truth about the hopelessness. You know, I was fucked. And finally, the charade came to a halt, and my life changed that day. Yeah, started in the morning. At night, I got introduced to a way of life, and I've been in that way of life. Or I'm the effect of that way of life, which we call recovery, for the last 35 years. Yeah. Pivotal day, March 21st, 1988. It wasn't looking good in the morning. It wasn't. Just came out of a blackout. Didn't know what the fuck was going on. Looking at someone I didn't know. I didn't know how I got there. It wasn't San Francisco. I was two hours north. And there was a bottle of Royal Gate vodka on the table. And we were slugging it. And I looked at this guy. And he looked like a bum to me. Yeah. He had this little trailer in a, near a hang gliding airport. And when I saw him looking at me like I was a bum, I saw, you know... He was looking at me like I was a bum. Yes. Whacked me. And then that newsflash occurred and changed my mind. Truly. Completely. Like, first there was a screech. It wasn't even a screeching halt. It was it was probably one of the softest landings I ever had because it was so sudden. I was just, I was just like a rat roaming around. Suddenly, I was stunned into submission. Got the message. You're fucked. You're not managerial equality. And then I set out on another course. 
called the program I had left 10 months before that they didn't want to see me again, called a lady who I used to know, a nurse. She decided to help me one more time, try to talk her into getting loaded. When she picked me up, she wouldn't go for that. That was the last big hurrah of, of the addiction of thir less. That's the loudest it's been. It was its last little call to arms. And it's just uh, that biggest influence. My life got muted. It was awesome. So other things could influence my life. The other things that could influence my life had no possibility to influence my life. This was so overriding. It influenced everything else. Yes. I mean, it's completely overriding. Like if this is why we can share what we share, because it felt like something took me over lock, you know, just everything and just drove me, just fucking drove me like in a rabid state. And this rat likes certain things more than other things like cocaine. Yeah. So this rat was rabidly going after Coke at, at the expense of my morals. They went fast. My, uh, my fucking condition. I looked like a rail. I was just fucking wired up. Cocaine dealers didn't, wouldn't allow me to come into their house. I had to send my girlfriend in to get the stuff. And then I was suspicious she was pocketing some of it when, by the time she got to the car. Yeah, this was the fucking way of life. I knew every phone book booth in San Francisco because I keep calling the dealers when I was driving over them. And I knew every bathroom that had a good big lock where I could shoot up in. That's what I looked for. When I looked for a restaurant, it wasn't the food or the menu. It was the bathroom. Seriously. I wanted a secure bathroom so they couldn't break in when I was fucking around. My whole life, completely like that. It's insane, completely insane. And it had a, it was like a locomotive. It had a lot of momentum. I was afraid to jump off, man. It was moving too fast. So I was just being washed, like with a, being on, on the side of the tsunami wave going to the shore, not on the shore getting hit by the tsunami. I was the tsunami wave going across the shore of my life, just spreading out, fucked up. Yeah. So I don't care what you call it, God or higher power. Something did for me what I couldn't do for myself and no human power could do it. My mother loved me like anyone's been loved by a mother. And she prayed and had her church pray for me, sent me St. Jude medals and St. Christopher medals, sent me articles sent my uncles to talk to me. No human power could stop this urge of momentum, yet something did. Something put its hand out and stopped this fucking momentum. Yeah. You would think there would have been a sufficient crash, like all any, like a, a car going 200 miles per hour, but the grace really made it quite soft. It was just a rude awakening. I'm fucked. And then let's get on with it. You know, go to a meeting, staying in the closet of this lady's place. Did not want to live in a closet. And I had, there was a bad vibe because her roommate didn't like me. So then I found a place to move into, a residence hotel. And I shared a room with a German student trying to learn English. And this place had three meals a day. You paid weekly. Yeah. And I could pull it off because I, 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 
got myself hired by a house painter because he was fucking drunk. He was a drunk. I couldn't do a line. My hands were shaking, but I, I just faked it. And I paid my little rent. And then life just built on this new foundation. Start getting things happening, da-da-da-da-da. Moved into an apartment. We were just there. Yes, they hated Ashbury. Moved in there. My whole life just started blossoming because there wasn't a giant, like a giant tractor running over it all day. Yes, fucking, it just wasn't going on. And my strategy, I felt I had a huge cloud of all this old shit. And the way I avoided it was making up new shit every day. And AA, this world, this this design for living stopped me from making new shit until I could get the balls and the courage to look at the old shit, which the program helped me do by doing an inventory to see my role in this life that I called like a fucked up life to see what I did in there. Not you, not my mother, not the cops, not the judge, not the fucking doctor or the nurses, but me. How did I end up where I ended up? Revelatory. Blew my mind constantly. And to surrender turned surrendered. It just became a fact. I truly gave up and it was no not giving up anymore. I gave up about the most fundamental blockage in this life, which was my denial of my present tense state, which is addictive alcoholic. Yes. Soon as I started getting clear about that, a lot of clarity showed up about a lot of other stuff. And here you go. I'm here and here I am trying to pass it on. Because get in the door. It doesn't matter what you think, really. Just check out where you're at. Yeah. If you, and then maybe you'll see there's a little connection between how there's how the thought system is thinking and where you are. Do you want to be where you are? Then stop relying on that thought system and rely on the program that's designed for living. Follow its suggestions, not your suggestions. Try it for a day. We'll see what happens. And I bet you you're going to be happy with the result. So that's going to motivate you to try it more. And if you fuck up, come back, get back on the horse. And sooner or later, the grace is going to override the fucking mental addiction. It is. Yeah, and you're going to coast into a condition, a habit of being sober. And you're going to have a life, a life that you never were allowed to have when you have been taken over by this fucking tyrant. A life can build around you, yes, because you're not burning it down every day. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know where that came from, but that's how uh, I don't give a shit about what you give it the name. Yeah, it's the relief that comes about. Yeah, just realize you're not it. Yeah, because something's playing a higher power in your life, and it ain't the higher power. <laughs> it's a very, very low power. It truly is. Yeah, so it cannot manage your life, yours or anyone else. Like it says in our book, yeah, you realize that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. Why? Because... For us, the system of self-centeredness is failed. Yeah. It can't deliver the goods. So just tell the truth. The horse you're riding is dead and get up. And a new, another, a, a live horse is going to come, come by sooner or later and jump on. Yeah. 
For me, it was recovery. <laughs> That's what, So I jumped on and I have a great love for AA and everything because this is how I rode out of hell. Yeah. Yeah. If it was Buddhism for you or back to Christianity or yoga, who cares? I don't care. You know, I care about the relief, whatever would, whatever was associated with you getting a constant relief from this bondage of self, I'm all for. Yeah. But I can only speak from recovery because this is the vehicle and the way it went with me. Yeah. If it was Buddhism, I'd hope I'd be given Buddhist talks in a way. We slip it in there anyway, but yeah. Maybe I have a shaved head or whatever. So, yeah. So this guy was fucked. The only way he could see me get in the program was make up a thing of, oh, a higher power of your own understanding. Great. Yeah. Yeah. If you have to make it G-O-D-D, -D, add another D. Great. Doesn't matter. You know? Just freaking do what we do. <laughs> You're not, you, we do not want you to think as we think. The thinking is where the problem resides. Do as we do. Yeah. And then the thinking will become subservient to the doing. Yeah. You'll be doing your, li your life, not thinking through your life. You'll be doing it. Yeah. Just get that corrected. And uh, yeah. The thinking should be taking a back seat. It definitely should not be the driver. Yeah. It shouldn't convince you what you're going to do. It should, you know, riff on what you've already done. So if, you, if you're in a habit, a habit is an action without thought. Use this logic. If the problem resides in the mind, its activities are expressed through thought. Do you want the activities of the problem to have a say in your sobriety? No. Then get into the right habits. Because a habit is an action without thought. I do not think about going to an AA meeting. I think about which one. Yes? That's a habit. I'm in the habit of being sober. It's the greatest insurance policy you can ever have. If you have or have been taken over by active alcoholism and an active addiction, the greatest insurance policy is the habit of being sober. It's fantastic. You don't think about it. You don't feel anything about it. You're just living life as if cocaine never existed, so to speak. Yes. It's wonderful. Yeah. You don't stop when you find, you look at a folded paper on the sidewalk. You don't immediately think bindle, you know, <laughs> this shit's removed yeah you have no interest in it because you're in first of all because you're much higher than you've ever been before you are i'm, t I'm totally stoned most of the day even have a, 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 a soft level of auditory and visual hallucinations yeah if i get pulled over i can't get arrested i haven't done anything but do you think people who really want to be high would live a life not being high? Of course not. There's a much higher form of being high, which is your natural state of being awake. Yeah. It's a very beautiful, clean, hasn't been stepped on, hasn't been cut. Yeah. Hasn't been altered. They didn't add fentanyl into it to kill you. 
It's just a very clear, clean high. And then you go about living life. Yeah. Yeah. Would you put up with anything less? Of course not. Do you want to be sitting there like grabbing the table, gritting your teeth and just being fucking an unhappy, sober person? No, you'll probably do something. That whole situation wasn't exterminated. It's been replaced by a higher form of a better condition, so to speak. Yeah. I don't think most of us are walking around sour and bummed out. I'm fucking pretty happy in in, a, in my own weird, you know, solitary manner. Yeah. So there you go. Thanks for the reading, bro. All right. I want to turn it over to someone else who has better internet. So someone else can look for hands and all that. Thank you, Paul. My pleasure. What better thing to do on Thursday, but share the gospel gospel means good news there is a solution <laughs> i would imagine that's great news yeah all right anyone no we don't have any hands up right now paul if you'd like to uh ask paul a question on the 12 steps on the reading or um share a little bit a small share would be nice um Please use the raise hand thing shirt. Here we have, uh, let's see, who is this? Who we have? We have James. Hi, James. How are you today? I'm doing great. Paul, thank you as always. Um, your words, wow. That was like a funnel hit. I just feel like I did a railer. Thank you. Um, great meeting. Learning a lot here. Great. Yes, well, thank you, James. And we're you're adding on to the the presence here. So that's great. Thank you. Yeah, I have a lot of joy about the abruptness of what happened because it's, you know, over time, lines can be blurred easily, but the, 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 the blackest of the black and the whiteness of the white has made it a, a clear recognition of that day in time. I know the location. I know yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's on this highway, it's the only sign, really. There's only a couple signs of Paul's Highway. That's one of the big signs, yeah, really. And it, you can't, it doesn't get washed into the normalcy of things because it was almost as if my record player, no matter what you put on it, always played it at 45 RPM. And then I finally was a, a, a bigger album was put on it and it was 33 and a third. Yeah. It was that distinctly different. It was mind boggling. I mean, it was just mind boggling. I put to my knees and then something grabbed me and got me up. And I, I learned how to face life successfully as best I could. Yeah. Yeah. So this thing that always caught me very strongly is, and I don't care about philosophies uh, in a lot of ways. Here, you are like an artistic brush, yeah? And you're gonna be used to express something. And one of the greatest feelings of expressing 
something is the idea of something has done for me what I couldn't do for myself. And something is doing for me what I cannot do for myself. That is such an incredible, like a Van Gogh-like stroke of a brush. It just blows my mind. Because I remember so many people trying to help me and me trying to help me and counselors trying to help me and the police even trying to help me and the judges trying to help me and especially the nurses trying to help me. And uh, no human power seemed to be able to do it, no matter how strongly they wanted it. Nothing was being budged at all. It was like a rock of Gibraltar. And then something just fucking like changed all the signs and you know, north was south and east was west, and you gotta gotta learn a new way of living because that old way is over. Yeah, just like yeah, it's incredible. And then I just couldn't believe it when I started going to meetings. I didn't realize there was this whole subculture in San Francisco meeting in cellars and churches and shit of people that I used to think looked like me when I was passing them in the street, but they were going to a meeting. I was going to the fucking somewhere else. <laughs> it was amazing how many people were going to these meetings. It blew my mind. I had no idea. I thought I had the, my hand on the pulse of San Francisco, you know, street life, but I had, I'd missed a huge swath of the civilization. <laughs> <laughs> it was really mind-boggling. I couldn't believe it. You know? And I met people that had known, seen me years before, and I was there to greet people of my own little circle that, you know, reluctantly came in later. Yeah. Sorry to say most of them couldn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just been amazing. Very cool. And of course, AA is like everything else. There's people in it, yeah? So <laughs> it's going to be fucked up in a lot of ways. You're going to meet people who are going to try to get in your pants instead of, you know, direct you somewhere else and shit like that. You know, you get disappointed. You, you One of your first uh, attempts to, to trust someone and they steal money off of you or whatever. So, but you got to override all that because this is a much bigger thing than your feelings. This is your life, really. And life has told you, you need a way of life. In other words, you can't keep doing what you're doing. You need a new way of life. Now, maybe it won't be so specific, but for me, it was like being a baby dropped off at a door of a fucking place. Yeah, this is... The orphanage took me in and it was recovery. It was AA. But you're going to need another way of living. Yeah. That older way of living has run its course. It's dried up. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And it's so weird in a way. I meet a lot of people who hate AA, but always have to end up back there because they, there's no other way for them but AA and they hate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's one of those ironies. Yeah, the thing you need most, your head tells you you hate it the most. Yeah, it's so fucking weird. So yeah. Hey, we have a we have a hand up, Paul. Yeah, um, great. Let me see if I can say this correctly. Nixanthropus. 
I probably butchered that. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Nixanthropus is what I pronounce it, but it's all made up. So. <laughs> um, okay, great. Uh, sort of bouncing off the reading and uh, acknowledging your add another D to God if uh, you can't get it. Um, I've been in and out of AA uh, probably 50 times. Um, and I've had a higher power, you know, um, at least a half a dozen times, uh, be it the sun or love or what have you. And, uh, but it's never stuck. And, uh, and eventually I, you know, lose interest. And I'm, I don't know if that's the anchor that I really need in order to, to stay connected. Um, but I'm just wondering if you have, uh, you know, insights about how to, uh, allow something to uh, uh, enter my life or whether there's a way to stay connected uh, while circumventing that particular juncture in, in the program. Yes. Yeah. Well, my suggestion is service, really. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're either worshiping at the lower gods temple or the other gods. Yeah. Perhaps there's a better way. There's only two ways in recovery really presented, which is either you're in a state of trusting finite self or you're in the state of trusting the infinite. Yeah. So when you're trusting the finite self concerning the infinite, that's trusting the finite self. Yeah. So all through this thing of you having a higher power, not having a higher power, your head has been playing the higher power, obviously. Yeah. This is what you, we have to admit. It's playing God, but it isn't God. Yeah. But we, we get very clearly, there's so many examples in your own life, in your own head right now, of the heads playing God. It plays God with God. It plays God with you. It plays God with time. It plays God with your past. It does a lot of playing God. Now, that which is, let's not call it God. But let's use the term God. That which is is God doesn't need to play God, yeah? Because it is God. It's different. And when you have a sense of the that feeling of that which is God, it really allows you to see the playing of God. Yeah. And see the playing of God as not you. And at that point, you're moving towards the infinite. You don't have to, you don't have to give it a name or anything. You're going to be caught in that gravitational pull because you're losing interest in your head. Yeah. Yeah. One of the ways to give you examples and give us examples of that losing interest in the head is service. Service usually takes you out of your own neighborhood and puts you in what's actually happening. And most people describe it as I feel bigger, I feel available. And when I'm available, I sense a presence when I'm doing service and so on and so forth. Yeah, that all was initiated by loss of interest in you. Right. So your interest could be interested in something other than you. It's interested right. in availability. It's interested in presence. It's interested in what can I contribute to this situation at this moment instead of take from it. Yeah. So to me, the spiritual awakening is really the is what's always there, 
but notice when there's a mental diminishing. Yeah. So when you lose interest in the head that's playing God, something, the interest is going to go to that which is God. Yeah. And I think that's going to be, it's almost like a completely new foundation. Yeah. You're not relying on the head. You're relying on something other than the head. And the evidence will be copious. Yeah, it will. And you'll realize it's working. Now, does that mean you're going to want to do it or not? Your head probably won't. But hopefully that wisdom, that unsuspected inner resource overrides your little mental landscape and you just start doing what allows you to feel better. Yeah. You stay sober. Yeah. Get in the habit of sober, being sober. And put it, because you see, when you're sober and you go out a lot, that's that's a whole other process. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So say that again. A lot of people think they're in or they're out, but people that go in and out, that's the bigger thing. You have a way of life that's in and out. Yeah. So it's like half measures here, half measures there. Yeah. So you have a like a dualistic problem because you have uh you have let's say the salt of sobriety and the pepper of going out yeah and there's no distinguishing every every part of your life gets put the salt and pepper of that yeah the how's that been working uh well sometimes but usually not um you know i uh, there's so much that you said that makes sense and service seems uh like a great way to get a consistent reminder of of that and to stay in a flow. Um, yes. And maybe that is the answer. I've always thought that the higher power thing was, as you say, just a way to diminish the ego. And I'm wondering if, you know, the practices just to diminish the ego might be as effective as, you know, finding a higher power to rely on. Um, well, the... The difficulty with diminishing the ego, it could be the ego claiming to be the one diminishing the ego. And that's right. not no diminishment. Be very clear about that. Yeah. Ego diminishment isn't done or gotten by the ego. You lose interest in that which you want to diminish. That's the diminishing of it. Yeah. The only way I experience that is, you know, when I'm in a receptive mood to like nature or something. That's well, when then I start camping out. <laughs> right, but how do you sustain something like that? It's a that's well, a, like a. Yeah. Maybe you'll find a way. If that's the only way, I don't believe so. I think nature is an easy trigger, but if that would be the only way, the grace of this life could end you becoming an outdoorsman, and a survivalist. <laughs> it could. If that was the only way it could influence your life, but it's many, it can influence your life tons of ways. Yeah. That's an easy trigger. So enjoy it, but don't say right. it's not only, it's not only coming through nature because nature is pulling it out of you. You are the source of the relief that you feel in nature. Nature just pulls it out of you. Yeah. When I you're surrendered and you get sober, there's more handles on you for that shit to be pulled out. Yes. Yeah. You're available to many more ways of, of that 
being pulled out because sometimes, like for me, surfing was incredible, but then physically I can't do what I used to do. Could you imagine if I thought my that sense of beauty and joy was only in the water? This is not a conditional joy and love is not reliable. If you are the source or is that or if you're the conduit for joy and love to move through, that's reliable. Yeah. Right. Yes. So but in the beginning, especially if something triggers that feeling of okayness, fucking go there as much as you can. Makes sense. I never thought I was surfing too much, ever. <laughs> ever. Ever. I didn't stop right when I was going into the water and say, I don't think I'm, do I'm doing too much of this. I should stop. No, never. And every time, if you know I got beaten like crazy or whatever, I had a smile like when I was five years old. So I found certain things that work and I allowed it, my life allowed it to, for me to do a lot of it. Went to Australia, surfed great places there, went to fucking Bali, went to a lot of places, Mexico, and Bamo. Then it had its run. And could you imagine I would have been hanging, you know, out to dry if I thought the only way I can contact this everywhere always was through surfing. That would be that would be having a higher power of my own fucking understanding. <laughs> so you went from surfing to serving, right? <laughs> yes. Well, because of the, the intensity of the self-centeredness, service was the only thing that could pull that attention out of the orbit of Paul. All the yapping and talking and meditating at the beginning, the most, the best methodology was service for the, in the beginning of recovery. Yeah, it was, it was, we have a thing in, in California, San Francisco, you have to have six months to join this group of, and we call it hospitals and institutions. So you bring meetings into places where a lot of people can't get out of. Yeah. So I would, and you have only once a month, you have a once a month commitment and you may do it for a few years and you can have a couple of them. So I had about three of them, three a month. And I'll tell you certain weeks, I was way up the ass of self. No divine proctologist was answering their phone. Nothing, nothing was working. And I would go to my commitment, yeah, because I was in the habit of going, of being sober. I would go to the commitment no matter what. And the most that insane obsession in my head could last was about 11 minutes. And then it would just break and I would be available and out there. And the, the grace was evident and the conscious presence and a new power flowing in and all that. Yeah. Only the most it could withstand the grace of that, those meetings was like 11 minutes, the most. It was just crack and I would be out of, I just come blossoming like a beautiful sunflower out of the ass of self. <laughs> <laughs> and I did this year after year, less it was, you know, obviously over time, the mind of self gets, you don't go in much as much, so you don't need as much. But over time, it was the the most reliable thing. That's why I share it. Yeah. Because yeah. the habit of self-obsession is a very tightly wound orbit around the idea of you. Yeah. And 
you isn't going to call out that interest and attention out of you. It ain't. That's just more of you. You do an action. It pulls it out. You feel different. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And the relief starts telling you something. You get knowledge from relief. You do. And usually the knowledge is about that which is, is causing the unrelief. You do. You start really seeing the, the culprit in your life, which is the head. It's the selfing. Yeah. yeah. That's the only way you see it. You can't see it through it. You see it when you're out of it, when you're relieved of it. You can see it in all of its myopic glory. Yeah. It's very, very small. <laughs> so, yeah. Service. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nick. Next up, we have James. Hey, James. Back. Hey, hey, I'm going to end today at 1130, all right? Because we I have to go somewhere early today. All, all right. right. Just wanted... You got a problem. Yeah. Thank you. Paul, I just got a question. Um, in one of your earlier meetings, you talked about, I just got to make sure I got a grasp on this in my rudimentary uh, understanding. I can't express it as eloquently as you do, but from your last, from my, the last one that I was on, you told me that self doesn't reveal itself to self. So in my understanding of what you just talked about, getting out of self is your way out. And yes. the service draws you in and grounds you and gives you the ability to find more. Well, yeah, it makes you more available and not so available to self. Yeah. See, yeah. self is a jealous lover, so to speak. And the head keeps bringing us back to self, and it doesn't want us to meet anyone else, really. That makes sense. Okay. So this is, we have to break that, and the best way I find, and the most obvious, and it's beneficial to the other people that are going to be affected by your service, because the person who's receiving the sandwich from you doesn't give a shit if you're selfish or, or selfless at that moment. They want right. the sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. So that, okay. that one. Thank you. I, I'm what always. The other... What was the other thing? So the service draws you in and grounds you. And yeah. by being grounded, that allows you to see other things and get your, your you're out of your, you're out of self now. And now yes. you're able to receive. Yeah. And you're more balanced. And then you find other things that make your you find joy and happiness i would think yeah yes yes you'll find the beautiful thing is you'll be led to find things yes yeah and usually what happens the most you need to do is give up the ideas you have of those of those things you're going to find because i remember i was bitching about i wasn't getting enough attention you know especially let's say from women in the beginning but I realized life was bringing me all I needed. I was just denying the delivery because it wasn't in the box I was expected it to be delivered in. So but that does that put I that puts up, you back in self, right? Yeah. Well, I gave up the the dimensions and the box sizes of what's going to be delivered, and I received the gifts that were always coming. Yes. Okay. So I lost okay. interest in the way I saw things. Okay. Because the way I saw things isn't the way I see things. It's a myopic <laughs> point of view. And it's it was like the anus of self-centeredness was in such a tight pucker. It was uh, fucking 
unbelievable. So that that, make, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm I'm, o- I'm only on day fifteen, so I'm trying to absorb as much of this as I can, and I really appreciate this platform because you've been super helpful. Oh, great, man! Great. Well, now be of help to others, bro. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's the point. That's that's how you. Yeah, help is a many splendid thing, you know. Yeah, it can just be holding the space. Just being awake to being awake is quite a service here. Yeah, who knows? You'll have to once you touch the touchstone, you'll know when you're being touched by that stone. Yeah, you'll get the sense of what's going on in this event. Yeah, you know intimately. Yeah, yeah, you know help. I used to ha- would have to look a certain way. I don't see those. I don't see help has to look a certain way anymore. Yeah, I know. I think there's a lot of help in not giving help. I do. I, I believe you do people a disservice trying to save them from their bottom when they're not ready. Let them. I mean, life is the best ass kicker in the world. It just it will just kick your ass until you're fucking malleable enough to get something. We can never do the job it can do. Never. No way. So, yeah. Well, you just learn over the years, right? You do. You just Because you're awake now. And all your information isn't being, you know, brought to, a, you know, a propagation, a propaganda station. You're actually, knowledge is being disseminated. Blue is blue and red is red. You're seeing things clearly. Yeah. Yeah, we all have that ability. We're awake. We're well, the, the yeah. getting out of self was probably the most profound statement. And it took me it took me a couple of days for that to to to, to understand that. Yeah. And once I once I grasp that, I see things completely differently now because I have a little Chucky right here. I'm a defiant personality. I've done some crazy ass shit. So and then, and then you stop and look at it. Everybody saw that I was insane. Everybody saw that I had a problem. Everybody saw, well, what's the problem? It's right here. It's right here in your head. So yes. that was the fundamental for me. And, and now I look at things a little bit differently. I mean, I, I mean, I know I'm new to this, but I'm trying to grasp and you've done your, what you present. I haven't found anywhere else. And so I like your meetings because you tell it like it is. I mean, it's real. It's raw. And I love it. And you make me have to think deeper than I've ever had to think before. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The beautiful thing that's going to be revealed down the road is you've never been in self. That's going to be the real joy. Yeah. Huh. Right now, there's a demand to get out of self. And I'm all with you. But there's going to be a recognition sooner or later that uh, you've never been in self. There's just been a lot of selfing going okay. on in the head. And the head says you're something uh, that you could never be. So if you watch self, if you watch the manufacturing of self, self is manufactured by claiming the actions of this life. Yeah as mm-hmm. the one that's doing it or being done to by it. So self comes, so there's a living going on, and then the living is claimed 
by the mental activity, and then it uses that to say there's a one that's doing all the living. But you, the idea of self comes after the living. Yeah, yeah. So we are, we believe we're in something that we're not in. So we are constantly trying to get out of it. And now you're constructively trying to get out of it where before we, most of us were destructively trying to get out of it by drinking and using. So now mm. we're constructively trying to get out of it, which is a big fucking step up. It is. Literally. Wow. Yeah. And there's a lot more going to be revealed. Yeah. But okay. this is awesome. Just get out of self fucking. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. you. You Yeah. Appreciate you, my friend. Yeah. Thank you, James. Uh, we have one more question with uh, Kelsey and Lynette. Hi, Lynette or Kelsey. One more question with Kelsey and Annette. Two people. Lynette. One question. Hi. hi. Um, thank you so much for your time here. I was curious. Um, I've been in the program a few years, and there's a bit of discussion in the literature and meetings about emotional disturbance and trying to avoid high highs and low lows. And I love your description of how you move through the world now, higher than you've ever been, blissful. Um, it's been really hard for me to reconnect with joy, with uh, bliss, anything like euphoric sensations in recovery. And part of it, I think, is a fear that that might trigger, you know, whatever behavior, relapse, whatever. How do you navigate that? Well, you know, things come and then there's a response to that and then there's a mental reaction to that. To be able to tell the difference between the mental reaction and the response is you could pray for that. Yeah. So sometimes that grace brings you uh, bliss and whatever joy. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, deny that delivery yeah i would just take i would allow it to do what it wants to do with me yeah now the mental reaction could be well you're going to drink too much of this water well just trust your fucking spirit yeah this is you're going to have to learn to trust it sooner or later you'll make mistakes yeah but at those mistakes have great value because Again, when you're so taken over and shook up, trust has been uh, really, really uh, been disappointed quite a lot. Yes. And that has to be renewed. And this is a part of the process of recovery. Your trust and how it's directed and where it goes to gets changed. And now that trust in the infinite produces very, very fortunate events and conditions. And you get clear of, you know, the idea of a mistrusting or trust not well spent. Yeah. Because now you're relying on something that's actually reliable. Yeah. And you're going to get that results and it's going to change the flavor of, of a lot of shit that got soured in your life. It's going to change it back to its original taste. Yeah. Yeah. When I came in, I wouldn't trust, I couldn't trust myself as far as I could throw me literally. Yeah. Now, what's going on, I take, I have great value 
in where it's coming from, and I don't I don't doubt it at all. I follow my gut, and there you have it. Yeah, I couldn't do that for for the first few years because I was in a process of recovery. I was recovering previous conditions. Let's say the condition of innocence and shit like that. These take these may take time and tribulations to get reestablished, but this is the part of recovery. It's an activity. Yeah. And I believe recovery progresses. Yeah. So thank that's you. How I at the moment. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not talking about, you know, like uh Bliss usually doesn't last long, does it? It just comes and goes like a flash, but the reverberation of it can be quite lasting. And so just stop calling, you know, you'll have a lot of visitors. Don't demand that they uh, sign a five-year mortgage, yes? Just welcome the visitor and the visitor's going to go like epiphanies and shit. Yeah. And remember, if you ever have had those events, epiphanies, they usually end when your head says, I'm having an epiphany. Yes, that's a pretty good, that's a very revealing event when you see the joy ends when you think you have the joy. Yeah, that's a trip. So this is about living life not as an owner, even though if you own things, you're not the owner of things. Yes. Yeah, it's a better way to travel through this place, I think. Traveling lighter. <laughs> because some things that come are going to go. Yeah, it's just that way, way it happens. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. I never miss surfing until I go in the water. That's when I miss surfing. So, well, when I'm not surfing, I don't miss surfing. <laughs> I miss surfing when I get back in the water. <laughs> it's funny how it works, yeah? I'm too busy here. It's just, you know, it's a lot going on to be available and uh, present to, yeah? Yeah. These old ideas and ruminations about yesterday and tomorrow are fucking empty, you know? Yeah. So, thanks. I got to get going, so... Nice to meet you, and I hope you. I see you. Where are you? You seem to be in a tropical location. Costa Rica. Where? Costa Rica. Well, Costa Rica. You should do a gratitude list once we get off this thing. <laughs> Every morning. Oh, Some yeah. of us are in Hoboken, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, we haven't worn a t-shirt for a couple of months. All right. Send you some sunshine. <laughs> All right, Lynette and Kelsey. Nice to see you. I hope you come back. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to say goodbye. Eh? Yeah, Nick. Nick, you look like you should be. You were in the original band Joy Division for that second. Just looking at you, though. Yeah. You band I Joy Division? No, I don't think so. They turned into New Order. Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you look like. That's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> You look like you're in Manchester. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah, good old Toronto down here. Yeah, yeah. All right, nice to see you, bro. You too, man. You too. Yeah. I'm gonna be very... sending you some music uh, very oh, soon, yeah. just so you know. 
just for a oh, little great. heads up. Maybe check it out, see how you like it. Oh yeah, for sure. We'll put it on the website. Yeah. We got another one of our contributors, Vlad. Vlad is here. Oh. He's visiting us from Portugal. So we're gonna we're taking him down to Joshua Tree tomorrow. Yeah. He's gonna be, we're gonna invite we're gonna introduce him to the desert. Very cool. So all right, thank you. Christian G. Nice to see you, Christian. James, thanks for us. Uh, nice to see you, James. Yeah, Axel in Germany. Uh, there's Mickey, the matriarch of Madeira. I just lost her. There she is. We got Kathleen in our new digs. Very nice. Uh, we've got Michael Stacy, as always. Joseph C., a friend in France. Danny M., Lynette and Kelsey, Costa Rica, doing a gratitude list. Christy Silva. Yeah. Uh, she's got, she's, I, I got a very strange uh, feeling. She's not in Costa Rica at the moment, Christy. No, no, she's, seems to be geared up. Martin, nice to see you. Rich, rich, not rich. There he is. Nixanthropus, uh, Nixanthropus, yeah. Chris B, as always, Roman, Oliver from Berlin, John S, Florida, Chris Blake. I think he's not in Mammoth Lakes anymore. He's moved. Uh, Ilana Volkman. And you know, we're going to be down in Temecula. I don't know how far you are. We're going to be there tomorrow, uh, Saturday at 2 o'clock. It's on the website. We want a live talk. We'll come down to Joshua Tree and call us up. Uh, I'm in uh, Spain. Ilana, <laughs> nice to see you, honey. I hope I got it right. Yep. Stephen T, Fletch, Paula, Rob, Kentucky, Annette. Uh, let's see. Jeff P down in Southern Cal, Jules on vocals. Uh, for everyone, thank you. Thank you for holding the space. Very nice meeting. See you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Paul. Thanks.